Blog Talk Radio. Father, 
We praise your name and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you are. We thank you for everything that you have created as the creator of creation. We praise your name, Father, in so many ways that I just I just can't even articulate. I can't even think of how much our hearts cry out to you through our spirit throughout the day, even as we're undergoing difficult times. Father, we praise you for the heavens. We praise you for the universes. We praise you for every drink of water that we have. We thank you for every meal that we have. We praise you for the cabinets in our homes that, for some of us at least, are are plentiful. And we ask you always, Father, to help remind us to take a little bit of extra money out of the bank when we can and carry it with us that we're able to help the less fortunate, with no judgment on our heart in regard to who they are or where they may spend their money, but just because we get joy from being able to touch other people's lives. Father, we praise you for all the things that we have, that we take for granted. In many cases, uh, things that are, you know, almost, you know, things, you know, that are in excess, I think, certainly in my life. And I pray, Father, that more and more the opportunities to be able to touch other people's lives through giving in a difficult day such as this uh, is just such an absolutely amazing blessing. Let us just not forget that these opportunities that, that you have given us bless us. It's hard for us to understand sometimes because we have been programmed by our existence on this planet in in this flesh to see things differently and we have we are always as you know constantly in war with our flesh and how we think about things and it it there's so many different catalysts and reasons why it we might think whatever it is that we think but we need our sanctification to be increased we need Jesus your prayers as well as the cloud of witnesses prayers in heaven we need the prayers of the angels, the just men made perfect, uh, the innumerable company of the angels that are all throughout the heavens, the minor gods, which are part of the just men made perfect in Christ. We need all the prayers that we can possibly get for all of us because, as you know, Father, sometimes our lives are so challenging that we it is very difficult because of the limitations of our flesh the our, our the amount of energy that we're able to muster up in any given day the amount of stress that we have to endure that drains us of our energy are so many dynamics that are playing a role upon us in uh, as those who have been chosen for whatever reason and maybe someday we'll understand to exist on this earth during this time period, which is unlike any other. And and because of that, Father, we are beseeching you in our supplications before your awesome, glorious light and into the very courts of heaven, oh, so hopeful and so full of desire and, and, and a request for even more faith than we currently have, that we come to a place in our walk where our praise is truly full of joy because we know that you're going to bring us through it. No matter what it is we're asking for, I, I, I praise you for the 
feeling that I was given earlier this morning to look up the scripture that says godly sorrow repentance and to look into that scripture just a little bit more to understand that that verse does not necessarily indicate that it's in, that the uh, transition is instantaneous that um that godly sorrow uh, essentially drives a person to a point where they work extra hard to at the renewing of their mind uh, through continuous prayer, asking for help, asking for your guidance, asking for prayer from you, Jesus, making changes in our lives, making changes in our routines, helping us to realize that it's it, in order to adjust the flesh and to progress in our sanctification, there are actions in the flesh that we need to be able to not only be able to take, but be willing to take to change our earthly dynamics, to change the places that we go, to change the, the choices of the people that we talk to and hang out with, the, to um, um, perhaps not sit in a particular room at a particular time when we're under a lot of stress because perhaps it triggers uh, emotional feelings that are part of the flesh, but you know, nevertheless, that part of that battle. And I just want to praise you, Father, on behalf of all of us, because the lessons that we are learning now, I believe with all of my heart, are going to lead to greater rewards. And possibly, um, I say with, great, with the greatest of care and hope, to a place where you may choose us, uh, not just call us. We, we praise you, Father, for calling us. We thank you for the opportunity that you have laid before us, an opportunity whereby we understand the implications and the fear of God that is associated with the scriptures in Luke twelve forty seven and 48, where to whom much has been given, much will be required. And understand that every month that goes by, every really every day that goes by, one by one, as we just tackle each day, one by one, and focus our hearts on you. Focus our hearts, our minds, and our souls, and our spirits with all of our might on trusting you, knowing that you are the God of our creation, knowing that you have written in our books before, I believe, we were even on this earth, certainly before we were born, as the scripture says in Psalm 139.16, that you, whatever it was that you wrote in those books were written in there for a reason, because you know the beginning from the end, and that all things work out together for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to, his, to your purpose, Father, Romans 8.28. Father, we thank you for being able to see the scriptural synergy, the scriptural harmony on how so much of your word, not only in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, weave together a tapestry that can only be understood, the, the, uh, the, the paradoxical nature of it, where it appears to clearly conflict, but yet at the same time, when we understand through your grace and through your wisdom that you have been kind and merciful enough to bestow upon us, as it says, even in Psalm 51, that we pray on all the prayer vigils, or at least try to, uh, uh, you know, uh, on, at least on the on the ones that follow the, our more traditional pattern and are less testimony or teaching. 
Father, we just praise you for helping us to be able to see that tapestry. We, we praise you for helping us to be able to understand that if we that that if we do not or if we in any way lack the wisdom that you would give us if we come to you with a merciful with the hope of your mercy understanding and you will sense or take the time supernaturally to sense the hunger that we have in our heart the true depth of our desire to understand through your wisdom how all these things are working, how some of them can appear to be uh, conflicts when we put the two scriptures side by side, but yet when we look at them through eternal eyes or we compare them to all of eternity or we point to some, we know that some believers out there may be pointing to uh, Ezekiel 37 or, or, or maybe 39 or whatever about a temple being built, but yet we're blessed so deeply by understanding that the scriptures and the prophetic words that are woven in that tapestry throughout the major and minor prophets, uh, as well as the um, supernatural and spiritual harmony that uh, is uh, woven through it, through the book of Revelation and many of the other words that were spoken through the Holy Spirit when, the, when these words were penned, in the New Testament and New Covenant, it when we look at them through, when we understand who all the different, I don't want to use the word players, but who are, are let's just use the word actors, uh, but, but in a literal sense, who are all the actors, who are the wise virgins, who are the foolish virgins, who is the, who are the tribulation saints? What should we worry, or con, not worry, but concern ourselves when we're doing study? How should we study the scripture? Should we allow ourselves to stop learning simply because there's a part of a particular chapter that we don't quite understand and assume that, that we are not going to see more no, and we praise you for helping us to understand that with with eternal eyes and understanding, I, I don't know if this is the right word, but I believe it is, the dichotomy associated with uh, lines upon lines, precepts upon precepts, uh, here a little, there a little, the, this idea that not only does a scripture mean one thing, but it can mean many, many other things, and it can be applicable to different times, it can be applicable to different groups of people, and it can be applicable to all of eternity, as well as being applicable to us in the flesh, as well as in the spirit, for all of eternity. So there's thus, there's who we are when we are in the flesh, there's who we are when we are in the spirit plus the flesh, because we're, until we are like Jesus, we will never be truly spirit or minor God. And to understand that the things that Jesus said, the 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 um, some, the minor and the major prophets' statements, uh, you know, for example, the descriptions of the temple, uh, the building of the temple, and Ezekiel, uh, believe it's. 37, but I'm not sure. I believe, no, maybe 39 and 40. Um, that these, that the scripture trans, it goes past time. It's not contained in our very small understanding of the realm that we exist in right now. 
helping us to understand that some of the prophetic words that appear in the major prophets of the Old Testament are actually referring to things that are going to happen during the new millennium. Or, in some cases, things that will be happening long after we have been at the marriage supper or are in heaven. To understand how diverse and how many different applications and uh, um, dynamics and deltas and diversities these the scriptures can be addressing. And to understand also that when we're listening to prophecies, that your word trumps those prophecies. It takes a precedence over all those prophecies. So therefore, by understanding your word, we are able to discern whether or not the prophet was even hearing well or not, or if they were being seduced by seducing spirits, or if their personal belief systems uh, that may have been uh, arrived at through a, a satanic deception that they embraced unknowingly um, or through uh, circumstances that are associated with their influences in the flesh, the people that they talk to, the people that they've listened to, the people that have taught them, the teachers and the preachers of their past, their backgrounds, and all those things can affect through the flesh the words that they believe that they are hearing from you. Thank you, Father, for helping us to understand the complexities and how intertwined they are and be able to apply those through the gifts of your wisdom so that we're able to see that tapestry, so that we're able to um, look at the possible meanings, the most likely meanings, apply principles that are scientific in nature, such as Occam's razor, and then also look at it from the opposite side of Occam's razor and look at it from, instead of the most likely uh, possibility, possibly looking at it from the most unlikely possibility. And then having that moment where we know, it, we know it's not just a belief, but we know that you have shown us, you, Father, have shown us as a gift to us. Something new, something amazing, something that is absolutely so exciting that we cannot possibly speak the words that are adequate to give you enough glory for the blessing that you have blessed us with, with that wisdom that transcends space, time, our existence, all of eternity, and can only come from our Father who art in heaven. Praise you, Father, for helping us through so many testimonies of uh, during a period of time when I believe, at least, and I feel very, very certain in my heart of this, that the seducing spirits had not yet been released upon the earth. Although that does not prevent any given prophet or person having a dream or a vision from potentially being influenced uh, from supernatural influences that are not necessarily coming entirely from you or may not be coming from you at all. 
We thank you, Father, for helping us to understand that there is a fake heaven that has been created by Satan himself, and that it is a mock-up, and it looks exceedingly convincing, and so therefore those who have been taken there have seen things that are, well, simply just not true. Very, very close to the truth, and so close to the truth that many, many believers, even the elect, will oftentimes grab a hold of it. But we praise you that the elect, when the time comes, will know in their spirit, particularly when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit occurs in a greater magnitude during the rising up of the darkness that happens simultaneously while with the rising up of the light. How sad it is, Father God, that many of us are unable to embrace two things happening at once or five things happening at once, or 15 or 20 or 100 things happening at once. How sad it is, Father, that we struggle, and so many of our leaders and teachers and preachers out there preach things that are incorrect. They preach things like the Psalm 83 war is a different war than the Gog and Magog war, is a different war than World War Three, is a different war than this and that, and that all these things are happen at different times. How, how unfortunate it is, Father, that there are those who feel this need to become preterists and take pieces of the Bible and map them back to things that happened in the past without any regard to the order of events that you have made obvious in your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for the power that you have given each of us, not only the supernatural power that you have given us through the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of Christ in us, and I do mean Messiah, Joshua, and his amazing mercy and friendship and revelation and it's just uh, words don't describe it we cannot describe it it's impossible we thank you jesus we praise your name we praise your name we want to be we want to fall more in love with you we want to fall more in love with you father we want to fall so much in love with you we want to be absolutely obsessed with you jesus we need you to be our first love and we know that that is something that we must crave in our heart first just like it says in, in James 1, verse 5, if anyone seeks wisdom, let them ask God. How many of us want to learn things, but we never get on our knees and really allow the tears to flow? That the point at which those tears come naturally as we seek you in supplication is the point of time when our hearts connect with the Godhead. It is the point in time where somehow, supernaturally, we have opened up an unhindered, uh, a, a communication, a spiritual communication, um, like a some kind of a wormhole or something, a, uh, spiritual communication, we'll call it a channel. Of course, there will be about you know ignorant people out there that would say something like this sounds new age, but we're all at different points of our understanding, and we don't understand that Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the dragon, has no original ideas. In fact, as above, so below is stolen from you. <laughs> How amazing is that? We think, Father, when you open our eyes and you help us to understand that we have to have that hungry in our heart, and that hungry can't just be superficial. 
We can't just be having a moment where we're asking for wisdom because we need an answer at that moment in time. It's a relationship. It's a hunger that over time causes us to be unable to ask with that amount of I don't know how to put it except to say that that amount of hunger, the hunger and the intensity of the hunger that we have for that understanding brings forth the emotional. It brings forth the tears, which makes that connection, which which allows the energies associated with our spirit to be able to transverse this realm, leave this hologram uh, uh, prison. It's more than a prison planet, but a prison realm of uh, that we're trapped in in all the universes, and to be able to move across time and space through some type of a supernatural, it's like a channel of communication, like almost like a TV channel. Uh, it's it's a it's an amazing thing, and for those of us who have experienced it, it often comes with residual communication confirmations that well make it so obvious that you have spoken to us that we aren't we have a very difficult time sharing it with others because if they haven't had it happen to them it's just too supernatural to explain it it just it's it's an impossible coincidence it's an answer to a question you've had all of your life in some cases it's something you've been praying for on your knees for years, and then suddenly the answer comes while you're scrambling eggs and looking for Tabasco sauce? I mean, it's just we know in our hearts that you have answered us. And it's it's so exciting, and we want more of it. We want you to outpour your Holy Spirit upon us and give us opportunities, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray to be able to exercise the different nine key gifts of the Holy Spirit that are spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We need to be able to understand and be able to feel in our heart and understand not only what it feels like to experience those various gifts, but also because it will build our faith. And then, Father, when the Scripture says, and I believe it's in John uh, 12, uh, 13, 14, 15, etc. In that uh, range of passages, it says uh, where Jesus tells us that, you know, whatever we ask uh, in his name, in Jesus' name, that, you, that, that we will receive it, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, which is a key to understanding the motivation behind our prayer. It's a key to understanding that we're not asking amiss. And if we truly are in love with you and our obsession with you is in an alignment with being in love with you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, then our desires of our heart through the sanctification of the, of the uh, Spirit of Jesus Christ within us becomes such that we derive true joy and peace and develop real trust in you so that we have arrived at a place in our walk whereby earthly fears, earthly desires, earthly concerns, earthly worries, earthly anxieties, while 
some of us and probably many of us, and I don't understand it's probably generational, uh, have anxiety, strong. It appears that over the last, I don't know, it just seems to me from talking to people that that uh, we're in a generation right now where um, many of us, and maybe it's just that we're more aware of it than people were years ago. Maybe they they had it then, but it hadn't been given a name, who knows? But many of us, you know, the anxieties that we carry with us, and of course they're amplified. So if we are carrying with us as part of our makeup, as part of our DNA, as part of who we are, a higher level of anxieties, a higher level, and you're, and the scripture talks about anxiety an awful lot. And that was penned, wow, what, thousands of years ago and spoken I mean, it's just amazing to consider how much real estate in the Scripture is dedicated to helping us understand that we've got to get past the place of worry and to understand and come to that place. It's it's a journey. And when we come to that place, there's a paradigm shift that occurs in our walk where there are moments of flesh and fleshy desires and things and influences and stuff that we almost can we certainly can't avoid because we have to as hard as this is to to be able to articulate we have to be in the flesh in and think in the flesh in order to operate in this realm in order to do our jobs, in order to think the way we need to think to be able to do our jobs, particularly when part of our jobs requires us to communicate effectively amongst a very diverse, unbelievably diverse uh, group of different types of people with intermingling across the earth. No longer is it as it was during the days of the apostles and Jesus. No longer is our earth such that uh, the the Greeks were in Greece, and that's where they stayed, and that's where they were. The Greeks didn't go to Jerusalem. The Greeks weren't in Jerusalem for the most part, as far as I I know. And if they did, it was just a a period of travel. But nowadays, we have uh, cross-border work permits. We work with people from multiple countries. We work with people from the Orient. We work with people from uh, you know, Pakistan. We work with people from a lot of people from India. We work, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. However, in our those of us who are in the workplace that have to do these things, we are, and then we have to deal with the satanic influences that are associated with our walk in this very dark earth, whereby we have to adhere uh, in order to even stay employed, in order to even be able to eat, in order to be able to even have a dwelling place and not become utterly homeless because we are we have no government subsidies we have no income whatsoever and so now we have to play uh we have to work uh the scripture Paul even said in uh, chapter 3 of second Desol- uh, the second letter to the Thessalonians he said if you don't work you don't eat now of course you know he wasn't referring to those who were essentially retired for those times, and he wasn't referring to the situations associated with widows and, and, and different dynamics. He was referring specifically to those who should and had the able-bodied ability to be able to work. And that was some strong words. And Father, we have to apply those principles to ourselves in a day where we are surrounded by 
I mean, some of the most unbelievably demonic, satanic, human behavioral dynamics that they're so awful. And we have to work and play well with others in dynamics that thousands of years ago Christians would have avoided. They would, you know, they wouldn't even, you know, we were were told to not throw our pearls before swine. Yet at the same time, we have a situation in our walk, in our daily, day-to-day activities. Even to be able to do as the early church did, the pilgrim church, which they were commanded to do, and they knew that it was, you know, it's all in the book of Acts, where essentially they lived in communes. They sold everything they had. They put all the money together into one big collective, into maybe at that time probably some kind of a clay jar, and they uh, shared it to each other in trust and love as each one had a need, very much like the Amish do today, where when a child gets sick from one family and needs an operation, they'll go and take a collection from every single home in the Amish community that could amount to hundreds of homes. And of course, out of the joy of their heart, knowing that God will reward them many times a magnitude greater because of their joy of being able to contribute and give. And the more that they were able to contribute and give, the more reward they would receive in their walk on the earth. And the fascinating thing is, we think the reward needs to be money. But the reward could be job security in in a world where many will have no way to make a living. That reward could be forgiveness of behaviors or iniquity or blotting out of iniquity that we have in our heart that maybe we are even unaware of. We don't oftentimes have the godly wisdom that we need to be able to ascertain or even perceive the rewards. And the other thing we don't think of often, most often of all, I think, is by virtue of our true joy in giving, how that may change our eternal job, our eternal uh, rank in the kingdom as kings and priests over all of creation, as minor gods working with Jesus, as our leader, our friend and king, I don't think we have the ability to be able to understand it all. But yet, through your grace and through your mercy and through your wisdom over years and years of time, helping us to be able to to, um, move beyond the limitations of our earthly, fleshy, vision of who we are and move more way higher, way, way higher and closer to the new Jerusalem, to the, to the, to the city of the living God, to Mount Zion, to be in, to actually be that our spirits would actually be mingled with your spirit, with the Godhead and 
Move beyond. Move beyond. And I'll leave it at that because there's no point in defining what we're moving beyond because there's no way to to quantify that. Just simply to move beyond. And it is only through your wisdom that which we praise you so desperately for that we're able to embrace and understand the magnitude of the glory and we and and yet at the same time the very scripture itself admonishes us and says that it has not even entered into the heart of man to understand that which you have stored up for us, the glory, the amazing things that we're going to experience. So if that scripture be true, which we know that it is, then that means what you have stored up for us is far more astonishing, far more stupefying, far more unbelievable than anything that we have heard from anyone who has been taken to heaven, the real heaven, by your grace. Because that's the only way that scripture could be true. And even the people that were blessed by being taken in your presence were unable, when they came back to earth, to adequately explain to their fellow brothers and sisters here because there weren't words that they could find to describe that which they felt, that which they saw, that which they heard, that which they tasted, except to say that it was, in some cases, using terms like millions of times more intense Millions of more colors, millions of more sounds, millions of more sensitivities, albeit an ambiguous quantification, but nevertheless one which we're able to embrace with excitement because it's beyond our comprehension, which is exactly what we would expect. Oh, Father, we pray for those who don't, that that are limited in their hearts. They're limited by their experience in churchianity. They're limited by theology. They're limited by formal Bible training. They're limited by this notion. They make awful mistakes in the flesh, and they think when it says, study to show thyself approved, that it means to go to a Bible college that was funded by the Rockefeller or the Clinton Foundation or the John Birch Society. Father, I praise you for the times, and I, I uh, the, the times that, that you have exposed me to the depths of the darkness associated with the major Bible universities, which I know I'm not allowed to name because of uh, impeaching a fellow brother or sister uh, as a result of it, because all can come to repentance even after. And then that places us in a position of being judged. Judge not, that ye be judged. And to the degree that you judge, you will be judged. We praise you, Father God, for teaching us that people who understand will never judge. And people who do judge will never understand. 
Lord, you are awesome. We thank you for your mercy. It it grieves us when we realize what a struggle it truly is when we're when our sensitivities have been increased when our understanding of your word and how high that ladder to glory actually is how limitless the process of sanctification actually is and the fact that sanctification doesn't i mean even when we become like Jesus and we are in his presence in glory, in heaven, even at that time, it still doesn't end. It continues forward. The timeline of our sanctification, our glorification, because I I suspect maybe that our sanctification, the word sanctification changes to glorification uh, at the point that we become completely outside of the flesh and only in a spirit body. But yet we understand that there is a continued training, growth over, gosh, possibly forever, leading to greater light, greater glorification. Father, we thank you for helping us to understand that there are levels of glory even in heaven, that certain folks that didn't understand things for whatever reason or were disobedient, maybe out of ignorance, or maybe willfully, going to have the same amount of glory as others will. And that not by not having that glory, they're not able to move into or closer to Mount Zion. They're not able to enter into the pearly gates. Most people, Father, when we praise you for this, believe that if they're standing outside of the pearly gates, they're not even in heaven, which is actually not true. And that by that glory and the increase of glory, over time we are able to grow and move in closer to the point where where we're able to actually stand in Mount Zion, that we're actually able to be in our city mansions. I pray, Father God, that every listener of this program, everyone that is joining in this prayer, whether it is live over a live stream, whether it is listening to a recorded podcast, Father, I, I together we lift up to you, where to you, where two or three are gathered together, there you are in our midst. So we know that you're in our midst, and we are gathered together through a technology that uh, allows us to gather together, even in the spirit in corporate prayer together, raised up before you, and I'm asking you, Father, on behalf of all of those who are participating, that we be chosen to be part of your bride. Jesus told us, he admonished us in Luke 21, 36, to pray always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are going to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Now, most people nowadays would perceive that myopically and consider that that scripture is unique to us because of the days that we live in, because we know the things that are coming upon the earth. We understand the fallen angels. We understand the the intergalactic dynamics that are associated with it. We understand that even your angels in heaven have to use technologies when they're inside this hologram, unless they're manifesting it in a spiritual manner, which Uh, imposes upon them certain limitations. And in order to fully interact with us, they have to become men angels, 
like those that went to Lot's house or those that we might unwittingly entertain, as it says in Hebrews. To, we thank you and we praise you, Father God, for the days that we have right now, the comfort that you have given some of us. We know that we have brothers and sisters in different parts of the world right now. We have brothers and sisters right now that are probably meeting in a wet, drip, drippy, 50-degree cave somewhere on the side of a mountain that they've stolen away to in the darkness of the night past soldiers somewhere in North Korea. How humbling it is, Father, to realize that those who don't know if they're going to even have a bite to eat, who are in in a place where the very idea that they might believe in you or even might just be curious about you would result in soldiers appearing at their door to take them, their children, their babies away to be slaughtered and beaten, tortured. To have body parts slowly cut off. Yet they still, because of their hunger, steal away in the middle of the night in the darkness at the risk of being detected by high technologies and soldiers dedicated to finding them. And they meet under such amazing persecution and actually spend time praying for the American Christians. Because they know that because of our abundance we are at such a great disadvantage. And their hearts are so full of Christ and love that they would take time of their precious life-threatening moments, family-threatening moments, to pray for us. Where's Nemra? Father is them we're in heaven now. I had a friend in Pakistan. She was a 21-year-old young woman. Lahore, Pakistan. Very close to where there's uh, always shelling going on. Bombs and things. Mortars. I believe it's close to the Kashmir region or whatever. She penned from her bedroom. Oh, she showed me. She showed me. Um, she would send emails to me and show me pictures. She bought at a local store, she bought, you know, on the dirt roads outside of her house, a... Uh, these colored gel pens, very pretty, sparkly, actually. They were glitter gel pens. And she wrote in her tablets when she was supposed to be studying for her college classes, penned the entire book of Psalms, which is one of the most incredibly large books of the Bible. It's the only book in the Bible that has as many chapters as it has. 
by hand with glitter pens and a notebook. She used to tell me, oftentimes, with the sound of mortars exploding in the distance, that if her mother or father discovered anything that she was doing, any communication on her laptop, any email, any photograph, any glitter pen writing of the Book of Psalms, that they would drag her out in the street and stone her to death. I want to know where she is. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that she's in heaven with you. That's what I pray. That's what I ask you, Father, because there is no reason for somebody like that to even need to be here. There's no reason whatsoever for them to have to be here. Anyway, Father, we just we pray that our hearts become humbled by the incredible generosity that we've been afforded, that we stay in a state of incredible gratitude, that we are constantly praiseful and praising you for the things that, I don't mean just for the earthly things, but all of the circumstances, all of the dynamics, all of the opening up of our hearts through your wisdom, through your teachings, through the understandings of the scripture to be able to raise our sanctification and our excitement about the future, to be able to help us to understand how vitally important it is that we get joy from walking in your will and making you proud, to understand that you really are our Father. And what child would not want their father to be proud of them? Father, we pray for those. We ask you for mercy, special mercy for those who have abuse, who have experienced abusive, fleshy, and demon-possessed parents to great disadvantage. We pray for a special grace and special mercy for all of those who have gone through abuse, who have gone through very difficult upbringings, or have experienced um, third-party abuse uh, in a way in a later time in their life that was highly traumatic, indeed emotionally catastrophic. We ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, for a special outpouring of grace upon each of them. We ask you, Father, for divine, holy angel protection for the people, the underground church in North Korea. We pray in the name of Jesus that there will be a very large, wherever they are, wherever those gatherings occur, wherever they're stealing out across in the night, whether it be in China, whether it be in Singapore, whether it be in Malaysia, whether it be in Jakarta, whether it be in uh, Taiwan, whether it be in uh, Okinawa, whether it be in uh, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, wherever it be, Father, on this earth, that fantastically unfortunate people are struggling at the threat. It's not so much that they're worried about dying because they know they're coming to you. It's that they may have to undergo some of the horrors that the believers experienced when Paul was preaching. Things like being sawed in half while they were alive. 
We praise you also, Father, for helping us to understand Lord Jesus, you in particular, for helping us to understand that at such a time we transcend and leave the clay body. The clay body may be animated because its soul energy still exists in the earthly realm, but our spiritual minor God body of light that is millions of times more sensitive that the six senses that or the five senses that we have arguably six that we have here on the earth are multiplied exponentially which is exactly the opposite of what most people would imagine they would think that by going to heaven they would be losing something because they like the senses that they have here on the earth. But it's actually the opposite. Father, we lift up every single one of those of our brothers and sisters in um, countries of challenge. We'll just refer to them as that. Countries of challenge, whereby they are targeted whereby their families are targeted, whereby they are hunted like animals, whereby by virtue of giving you praise in a small wooden shack in the middle of the bush, they're subject to a grenade exploding and watching their brothers and sisters have body parts blown off. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for every one of the people of Pipes International. We lift up Brother Sammy Mwangi, his wife, and his and their baby. We pray for divine protection. We ask you for a platoon of warrior angels. SEAL Team 7 Delta Force Angels, Father, to guard over their family. A place of fiery hedge of protection around about them at all times. And we ask for that fiery hedge of protection and that 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 battalion, Father God, of warrior angels to be spread out all over the various churches that have been planted and uh, churches. They're really they're gatherings of new Christians all over Africa and all over different parts of the world. Some of them just being blessed and enhanced in their walk, or just meeting Jesus or learning about Him and others becoming part of a young, burgeoning community that was created by the contributions of many through our desire to please you and love upon other people that are less fortunate. We lift up all of those underprivileged, challenged uh, brothers and sisters across this earth, and we pray if they need a platoon of warrior angels assigned, that they have the platoon and that these are mighty. Not that they're not almighty. And that they have diamond-tipped swords sharp as razor blades, diamond-covered shields of faith, helmets of salvation, belts, feet shod, breastplates, unstoppable, 
We ask you, Father God, for that divine protection, whether it be a platoon, whether it be a battalion, whether, whatever it takes to cover the people that are yours. In these underprivileged and challenged areas of the world where they're hunted like animals, we pray for good eyes to be made blind. We ask you in the name of Jesus that any of these underground churches, which we may become a part of ourselves for a time, or maybe not if we make a barley harvest, depending. We pray, Father, in the name of Jesus for these people, and we pray for your just, and and as your scripture says, an innumerable company of angels with an assignment We're asking you to send them down. In accordance with your word in Isaiah 43, 25, one of my favorite verses where you say, I, even I, even I, even I, will blot out your transgressions for my sake. A mystery that 99.9 probably percent of Christian believers in the world, including teachers and preachers, do not understand at all, can't even conceive it because they would have to understand that you are Heavenly Father, the great El Elyon, the Most High God, the God of gods, Yahvah-El. Most Christians don't even understand that Yahvah-El exists in the Bible verbatim, God of gods. They don't even realize it, but it's right there. Father, We thank you for these understandings because it helps us to be able to pray more effectively. Now, we also praise you for Romans 8.26 where it says, Likewise, 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 uh, wow, I'm having a a moment and I never, that doesn't usually happen. Likewise, the Spirit, okay, I'm going to look it up here. I still don't have all all of my Bible tools working properly, praise God, but let me go ahead and pull it up. Romans 8, 26, hold on. Likewise, the the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Thank you for giving that to me, Father. I didn't even have to look it up. I just got my PC study Bible installed. <laughs> still working on the computer. It'll probably probably still be doing it, Father, until the very day that we leave. So much stuff. But it's good stuff because it glorifies you in one way or the other. Lord, we thank you for helping us to grow, to become more sanctified. We thank you for purifying us that our prayers would not be hindered. We thank you for teaching us that when we're speaking in tongues, we're bypassing the ability of the darkness to be able to hinder our prayers. They can't even see them. We thank you, Father God, for teaching us the eschatological—that's uh, a fancy word—eschatological understanding of the end times to the degree that which you have mercifully given us, absent of much, abundant with much. And how much more so does the impact of Luke twelve forty-seven and forty-eight have on each of us? Teach us, Father, the obligation that we have 
Motivate us, Father, like we've never been motivated. To walk in the essence of your spirit in the very presence, not just the essence, but the very presence of your spirit, a very real presence. Particularly when we are able to dedicate a heartfelt, fervent, emotional connection with you in prayer, at least for some period of time each day and then throughout the day. We praise you, Father, for that innumerable company of angels of war, angels of protection. We pray in the name of Jesus that you give them your holy fire to use as a weapon to protect all of the 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 missionaries that are out there trying and going into desperately dangerous parts of the world and to protect the underground churches in the challenged parts of the world. They may be able to glorify you and bring in more believers because the more desperate and dark the land is that they live in, the more hungry people are for the promises of what is truly real in the eternity of our existence and the light, love, and unspeakable ecstasy that is associated with being present within that realm, a day of which we look forward to, to begin as soon as possible. As a brother said to me just today, that we should be grateful that we are alive. And I responded back to him. And again, I don't, I don't remember exactly how he said it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to quote it exactly because I have it right here. Let's see here. Praise God. He said, choose life. It's a gift. And he's going through very challenging times. Very challenging. He said, choose life. It's a gift. And then he put a little heart there. And I said, I choose eternal life. Not this one. But yet at the same time, Father, what a blessing it is to be given the opportunity. The opportunity to know that by overcoming wherever it is overcoming imagine how many different meanings that word has and a planet full of 8 billion people 243 countries with the island nations included How many underprivileged and hurting people are, and how utterly challenged they are in many cases, if not the vast majority thereof. How many underground churches exist in very dark lands where their lives are continuously, it, again, not just a matter of life and death, it's a matter of being per, um, tortured. 
There's even the book Tortured for Christ that's out there. I haven't read it yet because I don't think I'll be able to emotionally handle it, frankly. But I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that at every one of us that are trying, we're putting in the extra time. When others are out at the movie theaters or doing other things, we're taking our Friday nights after a long, in many cases, exceedingly hard week. In many cases, so stressful that we're not really able to sleep sometimes very well at all. In an economy that is on such a downturn that while three years ago we might have just said, oh, heck, we're gonna, I'll just go get a different job at a different company and take a pay cut. But now we're in an economy that is so destroyed by Satan and his shape-shifting ambassadors on this prison planet that have been allowed to run amok, which is part of your will. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. May many be brought to Christ through the revelation of the darkness, like my mother who moved a chair across the room by reading a satanic incantation that she got from the library as a Lutheran believer, which is not really much of a believer in a lot of the churches. But when that when the demons moved that chair, my mother ran to you, and as a result, over 40 people were led to Christ, at least. Now, whether or not they maintained their walk, only you know. As a result, I'm here right now. Father, I think it is so cute as my little puppy dog over in the corner is having a dream and howling. (laughs) And it might even be coming over the radio. How cute is that? Father, thank you for our blessings. Thank you for so much that we don't thank you for. If we only understood what it would be like to wake up with only the things that we praised you for the day before. We should be praising you continuously throughout the day. We pray, O Lord, that you will teach us, show us, inspire us, empower us. Make the scripture, I know, I know that we have to ask. If we don't ask, we're not going to receive. And we have to have a fervent hunger. It's got to come from the heart. It can't be a superficial ask. Seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Not just a little bit. How often we think we've been forgotten, jilted, whatever the right word is, that our prayers were not being answered, but we never really considered that we never put any effort into the ask, and we certainly didn't praise you for it in advance. Essentially, it was our fault that we never received the blessing because we we gave permission to the devil to accuse us before your throne. The millions and millions of Christians out there that don't even understand the tiniest, the tiniest bit of what we're praying about right now and thanking you for, they don't even understand it. And they're very defensive about what they believe and unwilling to learn more because they believe that they've come to their the epitome of their understanding. 
the pinnacle of all understanding to them is a collection plate and a man jumping around on a stage. Not that the heart of that individual isn't a good heart, but where they're stuck is not one that allows them to grow sanctification, humility, a contrite spirit, no presumptuous sin, and to look at every, to indeed examine every feeling, every thought. Some of them pick up on it naturally. The most of them don't understand it at all and never do. And we praise you, Father, for all these things, all these things, every drink of water, every kernel of food that we can give our pets, our pets themselves, what a blessing that we could even have them. The air conditioning, the heating that we have, the power that we have that we might not have for long. So much. So many blessings. Take away all fear from us, Father, because it is all of the devil. Help us to walk with great courage, great strength. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid. Don't be confused. Don't be dismayed. Because I, the Lord God, is with you. You have nothing to be afraid of. Do you know who I am? We know who you are, Father. We just need your help to overcome. Teach us how to row the boat away from the shore so our walk doesn't split upon the rocks. Teach us to take the initiative that we must to grow in our walk with you and to be full of joy and just absolutely blessed because we're pleasing our Father because of how incredibly real that ever-present Father, that ever-present place of stability, strength, protection. Because when we come to that place, the secret place of the Most High, and we run hungrily back to it as soon as we possibly can, and we learn, we change in such a manner that it's our favorite place. A place that we are so hungry to be in. So yearning, with such a yearning to be there. Such pleasure and so gushing our emotions when you talk to us when we know that you're present, when we see the miracles. Oh, man, I just realized we, I just had a miracle today. Father, I just praise you for all the little miracles that I miss, and I do miss them, and I, and I don't think about it, and I just, please forgive me, because there's no excuse. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Now, before we progress, I'm going to tell you about my little mini-miracle that I had today. I call it a mini-miracle. It's kind of a bigger miracle, though, really. <clears throat> so, I'll tell you what, it, what happened. So, my work is complicated. Um, as a uh, consultant, 
Um, and it became, um, it used to be relatively straightforward. It was always complicated and required special levels of expertise and we'll call them gifts from God in some cases. But you had to have um, certain ingredients as a human, certain ingredients in your learning, certain soft skills and abilities to be able to communicate with people, to be able to manage customers and clients and do it successfully. And it's, it's complicated. Um, when people will ask me to help them understand the level of complication, <clears throat> the best thing I can do to, is to say you almost have to think of me as a criminal lawyer going in and out of multiple – you know, there's a, uh, a television show that's pretty clean out there. I, I actually need to go back and take another look at it when I'm – have downtime called the Lincoln lawyer, which was really talking about, it's quite an interesting plot. I, I avoided it for a long time, but then I started to watch it and it was actually much better than I expected. But this particular lawyer inherited another lawyer's clientele and it was a large clientele. So when that occurred, he had to go in and out of courtrooms and just instinctively pick up and do you know, he would pick up a docket, pick up a, a new client that was just about to be judged by a judge or, or even in a jury and walk literally walk in with very little preparation and say just the right words at the last minute to be able to get the person off or do whatever it was that was the right ethical thing to do. Now, that level of complexity is very similar to my job. But now, as the, you know, when the company was originally – the part of my company was part of the merger that made the bigger company – it was when it was a smaller company, $500 million company, only had about 500 consultants. And um, it uh, that was much easier to – everything was easier. Everything, everything was easier. Very simple. It was managed very easily. Um, there, it, the work-life balance was remarkable. The complexities associated with doing what you had to do to, to do your job were still there, but they were nothing like they are today, like for me now. When the company grew, what happens is the the $500 million companies will only be able to work with a few billion-dollar companies. Some, some billion-dollar companies will still do work and hire consultants from $500 million companies. But as a general rule, the bigger the company is, the more they want to play with other companies that are of similar size. So a $20 billion a year company doesn't want to do business with a $500 million a year consulting company as a general rule. Now, there's always exceptions to those rules, but as a general rule, that's just how it is. When the company merged and got bigger and started to grow fast, whatever the case is, the complexity what happens is the complexities of everything are so fantastic. I would have to guesstimate that compared to six years ago, doing my job is I'm trying to be as honest. And I'll get this is a guess, but my best guess is about 
four times more complex, four times more activities, four times more social skills that need to be, because I have to manage groups of people at my company that are, quite frankly, making awful mistakes, but they're under pressure to make those mistakes. And if they don't do it anyway, they'll end up losing their job. So they just go ahead and do it. And then they hand it over to me. And then I have to take this big bag of rotten lemons and turn it into delicious lemonade. But thank you, Jesus, our Father. Thank you, Father, for giving me that skill and the ability to be able to manage customers, to talk to them, to cause them to trust me. To I praise you for that because there's so many that can't do it and they're failing and they're having problems and some of them are even losing their jobs. But what happened to me today, and I thank you, Jesus, for this, and I am sorry, Father, for not praising you at the moment because I, I was so taken back by it all and so relieved by it all. But what happened was there was a an individual that my company hired for my what we call a practice. There's several practices, just like a law firm. That's you know you have your the law firms will have certain practices within the law firms. The they usually are partnerships. That's why you have partners in the law firms. Same way, it's very similar to the the structure of my company. And um, they have practices. They don't call them departments. They call them practices. And I'm in a particular practice. There's probably about, no, I don't know, maybe another half a dozen practices. And those practices are made up of hundreds and hundreds of people for a grand total of something like 3,500 people overall. Some of them are back office. Some of them are secretarial. Some of them are governance. You know, there's just all, it's, it's big and it's a big, slow-moving, cumbersome, complex, you know, just – and the bigger the companies get, the more complicated they are and the more complicated the people are in them. And the harder it is by a long shot to do your job because now you have – instead of you just being sent out alone to take care of a customer, jumping on a plane, going out – meeting with a whole bunch of people in a boardroom, asking a bunch of questions, putting together a report, doing, you know, looking at things that they're doing and then giving them the information that they need. Now, instead, I have to deal, if I'm doing a project, I have to deal with probably about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, probably about 10 people from my company just my company side, and then on the client side, in some cases, I have to deal with up to 30 to 50 people. And the interesting dynamic about that, and this is where the pressure comes in, is that it doesn't matter how many other people, how many salespeople, how many managers that are overseeing the project, you know, they're running interference and trying to keep things on track and on time and under budget. Everybody's got some role to play, whether it's to keep, but, but the, at the end of the day, the client has got to be happy. All the people that are part of the client has got to be happy because if anybody complains for any reason, guess who gets blamed? The consultant. Every time. So they're trying to shift that dynamic and they're trying to have meetings afterwards to try to figure out what went wrong when something goes wrong. I've been very blessed by Jesus because I don't ever have anything go wrong. 
Is that a blessing from our Father? Is it because I pray over every job that I do? Possibly so. Probably likely. But I've been like this even, you know, even when I wasn't praying. So it's a combination, I'm sure. But so what happened was uh, with the economy tanking, um, the revenues tank. When the revenues tank, the owners, uh, the uh, what's called the venture capitalists that own the company before they go public. Um, oh, and when they go public, you, you think it's complicated now? Once they go public, it's just like you've got to take that number of that, that complexity and you've got to like quadruple it again. So it's like four times more complicated now. Then they go public, and then it's four times more complicated than it was. So it really goes crazy because you know. The second that the stock goes down one or two points, I mean, they start laying off like crazy uh, because they got to keep the revenues positive. The the stockholders now have a stake. They can sue the company. It's amazing. It's very complicated. And, of course, all that complication trickles down as pressure onto the consultants because at the end of the day, if you have 30 customers that you have to interview, uh, you have uh, 10 uh, um, people that are sales and oversight and managers and all that kind of stuff involved, they all have a stake in the success of it. The the, the salespeople have got to keep the customer happy else they're not going to get follow-on sales. They've got quotas to make. Everybody's got a stake. But at the end of the day, if the let's the client that I'm working with right now, for example, will probably I, I will have ten people from my company involved. A very challenging personality who is what they call the manager or the project manager. Not that the person isn't a good person, it's just that they can be a challenging personality sometimes. Um demanding and sometimes taking control in times when they shouldn't ought. It's not they really shouldn't be saying certain things that they're saying, but they're 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 what they're doing is they're accidentally derailing your ability to keep the customer happy because they think they know better than you. But when something goes wrong, it's still blame they blame you, me, I'm the one they blame. So this particular client. And this particular project is arguably the biggest moneymaker my prac will have all year long. Now, granted, there's some that are going so sideways that they're losing money like crazy on them because they made some awful mistakes. I already knew they were making those mistakes, but it wasn't my place to tell them so, and I probably would have gotten in trouble if I tried. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you. One time I did start to say something, and I kind of got put in my place. So I I picked up on it real quickly and just buttoned it up and ducked down under the desk. But anyway, now they're probably a million dollars over budget, and they're probably wishing they'd have listened to me in the first place. But anyway, they were so busy trying to say, well, we got to make this work. It can't fail no matter what. And, you know, I'm like, "Um, that's really not how you should go about it. There's a rule that actually is, uh, uh, it's a little bit of a convoluted, I don't mean convoluted, how about this? It's, It's a little bit of a spin on a quote from Einstein. And I haven't been able to find it. And if I could find a poster of it, I would hang it up in somewhere in my house. But it says, uh, you know, evidently Einstein at some point had said something like, anything that we undertake, any project that we're doing, 
In his opinion, it should be, you know, something like 93% thought, 7% action. In other words, the more you plan, the more you plan for contingencies, the more you plan for what what are you going to do if the customer says this? What are you going to do if the customer says that? You've got to be three steps ahead of the customer. You've got to be ready to make the customer happy. You've got to plan on them derailing you. You've got to plan on them asking for things that, we, that they did not agree to in the contract. You've got to plan on the worst case scenario. You've got to believe in Jesus' name for the best case scenario. And I tend to be very positive because I believe that God is going to answer my prayers and I always pray. I do. I mean, I do believe. Um, so what happens is when I'm, I I will be given sometimes, um, projects that are astonishingly complicated and the people that put together the project with the customer, in some cases, they don't really understand what it is they're selling. Um, because one of my key specializations is not it's it's a, what you would refer to as a strange bedfellow. It doesn't really fit in with all the other service packages and things that, that my practice does, or the company does for that matter. It's the oddest, strangest, and most complicated of all, which is business continuity. Keeping business, isn't it odd? Isn't it amazing? We're en- entering into the end times where meteors are going to be striking the earth. There's riots, chaos, mayhem, wars, rumors of wars, threats of nuclear war, um, unbelievable catastrophic climate change happening all over the world, wildfires, uh, floods occurring. And now, all of a sudden, all these businesses are thinking, wow. We were going to buy this, 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 and this. We were going to spend the money here. We were going to spend millions of dollars over here and here and here. But they all say, oh, my gosh, do you see all the things that are happening right now? They watch the news. They see the floods. They see the fires. They they, they see the uh, S&P 500 drop in 21%, which is a world record or, you know, in the last, you know, like 100 years. And they their their boards of directors are going, oh, no, we, we, we need to be prepared for an emergency. We need to be able to keep the company running. Because before the odds of that are happening, before the end times kicked into full gear as, as it is right now, and it's not even at, at full gear. I mean, my goodness, it's probably only at about 30% throttle right now, maybe, maybe slightly less than that even. But these companies are awakening to all the things. They're seeing all the stuff that's happening. They saw the BLM. They saw the, 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 the buildings on fire. They, they, and they're like, oh, my gosh. Some of them have even experienced those things. Some of them have, have, have even had divisions that were in locations where the Black Lives Matter protests and the fires that were being set were right outside the front door of their businesses. They were affected by it. In that specialization that I have, what's really fascinating, so think about this. Isn't this fascinating? What an amazing testimony I am giving right now. I don't even, I didn't, it, it's, a, it's a mind-blowing. Because imagine this. Not only is it one of the most complex things to, to be a specialist in, 
But it's also one of the least popular things because it is that complex. And also there was very low demand for it because businesses will not spend money on emergencies when they don't see emergencies happening. They're like, well, what are the odds that somebody's going to set a fire in front of our front door? So they go, well, it's never happened in the last 30 years of our operation, so I don't think we're going to put any, any money into it. So keeping a business up and running in an emergency is not a priority when they don't don't see any emergencies for 30 years. But when they start seeing emergencies everywhere, suddenly it becomes a priority. So my specialization was of no interest to my company. As a matter of fact, I even had a leader, my own a person that, you know, had my destiny with the company in their palm of their hand even said to me, I see your certification in that particular specialization and I don't really see a lot of value in it. Said it to me straight up. But I also know this personality type and I know how he likes I learned I learn about personality types and I know how to respond to them. And I have the courage, the call it the Hebrew chutzpah, to be able to do it. I don't know why, and maybe it's a gift from God, but I will talk to somebody that has the ability to fire me in a you know, nanosecond. And I will look right at him and say, I completely disagree with what you just said. And I mean it. And they know I mean it. Well, it turns out that this particular personality type, which is rather rare, but also very dominant, responds extremely well to people who have the chutzpah to challenge them. Now, if you're flat out wrong, they're going to put you in your place. But if you're right and you know it, and you do it in a professional manner, they really respect that a lot, which has resulted in Jesus allowing me to get promotions that otherwise I would have never been given. <laughs> I, I'm surrounded by PhD. I, I even got a PhD, and I had to take one of his papers, one of his things that he wrote for a customer, and I literally had to rewrite the whole thing because he couldn't write a sentence to save his life. <laughs> I mean, he had a PhD. So anyway, um, but this is the miracle. So I've had these certifications now, multiple ones in this discipline. But even though I had the certifications, I didn't just like get the certification like most people do and then just forget about it and say, oh, I got the certification, yippee, whoop-de-doo. And, and you keep the, and you get your little CPEs, your continuing, you know, annual, you know, your, your credits. To keep it, you know, and all that. Well, anyway, um, but you know, it did. You know, it for twenty six. You know, I, I I don't know. I can't say twenty six. I've been been doing this stuff for twenty six plus years, but I'm talking about just the security stuff. But um, but here's the thing. Back, it was all the way back in 1998 when I was absolutely seeped in sin. Now, don't get me wrong, I was a believer, but I was a once saved, always saved believer, so I was seeped in sin because I was in like Flynn. I had my Willy Wonka golden ticket to heaven. So I could do whatever I wanted to do. Um, but even back then, in 1998, when I was taking training for one of my bigger certifications, I was in this class that lasted a whole week, and it was being paid for and all that. And one whole day was dedicated to this particular specialization that I'm talking about right now, keeping businesses up and running in emergencies, which is very complicated to do, by the way, unbelievably complex. 
because you have to think of every possible thing that could happen. You really do. You have to think about every possible thing that could happen in order to be able to do it, especially if you do it well. And if you don't do it well and you get caught, which has happened recently to somebody that I really like that I work with, it's a very unpleasant thing to have happen. Let's just put it that way. Because the customer will basically call up, they will make a telephone call to the client manager through the sales team to a VP. That VP will call the other VP that's a VP of our practice, and they will say, the person that is working on our project is incompetent. They don't know what they're doing. Why did you put them on our project? And in some cases, that person's absolutely genius, but they just don't have formal training in that particular highly complex discipline, that specialization, which is what I have. But what's so weird is what are the odds that for some strange, peculiar, coincidental reason of the eight, and it's sort of like being a doctor, okay? You know, you have thoracic surgeons that specialize in heart work. You have... um, you know, just there's so many. You've got plastic surgeons that work on, you know, malformities and such. Uh, you've got M- Mandelo, I forget what they call specialization, the jaw surgeons, you know, that work on the bones of the face when a person's messed up in a car accident. You know, there's so many medical specialties, it's unbelievable, right? Well, that's what happened to my profession. It used to be back in the 90s that I would do everything. I literally, I would do the sales. I would do the integration of the systems. I'd work on multiple integrations. I had, you know, uh, maybe 10 different major certifications in different products that were extremely cutting edge. Um, That's why I understand everything that Snowden, I was being trained on the things that Snowden talked about in the movie Snowden and the reason why he left the United States. I was being trained on those things even before he did what he did and headed off to China and then to Russia. So, So that's like been my world, right? But what are the odds, you know, imagine that I'm going to give, I'm making an analogy. Imagine if you were going to become a doctor, okay, and when you first started out, you went to your med schools and you took all your different certifications and your classes and all these other things, and you were basically uh, a general practitioner where you could do a little bit of eye work, you could do a little bit of podiatry, you know, footwork, you could do a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, straightening out of noses, you know, you could do a little bit of everything. Because they didn't really have specialists for all the different disciplines. But as the industry grew and things got more complicated and the hackers got more complicated, which they did, and, and then they got more funded, that, that was the really thing. When they, did, when they realized that they could make like billions of dollars from a sitting at a desk in a dark room, you know, I mean, are you kidding me? Billions sitting at a desk. And the odds of getting caught are like 1 in 10,000. That's why you have fraud on your credit cards and things. It's easy money. And it's exceedingly difficult to stop them because they're very complex. So, but imagine you're a doctor, you're a general practitioner, and then... Uh, the the medical profession explodes and people start becoming specialists. But for some weird reason, while everybody else was wanting to become a heart specialist or everyone else wanted to become a podiatrist or a dentist or whatever it was that was lucrative and popular, 
for some whacked out reason, you decided you wanted to become a belly button specialist. You were fascinated after you took your one-week boot camp training with all these different people from all over the world that had specializations and things that you needed to know a, a pretty good amount of information about every single one of the disciplines in order to do your profession. can't be a doctor if you don't understand all the different parts of the body, right? So you've got to go to med school, learn about everything. The same exact thing is applicable to my profession. But when 1998... I was learning about all these different disciplines, all these different parts of, well, the city and, and the analogy is of the possible specialists that I could become someday. And I, for some really weird reason, decided I wanted to be a belly button specialist. Now, to turn that into reality, what it was was I was fascinated with, and I don't even know why, but I was fascinated with business continuity which was incredibly complicated, unbelievably so. And they had three men come in for eight hours and talk about how it was done and do mock-ups and use whiteboards and, and flip charts and talk about it like we were almost like we were actually going through it for real. And they talked about all the different things that you had to consider. Well, when I was a little child uh, or a kid, you know, in high school, if I got in trouble, let's say for some reason, I don't know why, I can't even remember that much. But, um, but there were a couple of times when I got in trouble and got, and got sent to the principal's office, maybe not, maybe two times in the whole time. Now, I wasn't especially problematic, but but those two times, we'll just say what what would happen with me is I would go, so I'm I'm just building upon the story because that makes the miracle so amazing. Because the whole it's such a it just stretches across years, decades of time. And so even when I was a child and I'm sitting outside the principal's office, I would sit outside the principal's office and I would think to myself, well, what if the principal asked me this? What if the principal asked me that? What if, he, what if I respond this way and he says this? What am I going to say? And I would analyze every possible thing that the principal might say to me. I might not even know why I'm sitting outside the principal's office. But I would think of everything that he could possibly bring up. And then I would practice my answer for any one of the deltas, anything that he might say. Well, what about Thursday? What about Friday? What about Sunday? What if this teacher was involved? What if little Sally said something to Frank on a, you know, and I just think it through and think it through. And I had an answer for every possible thing. And then I'd walk into the office and he would say, hey, I just wanted to say you've done really good. And you're going to get one of the, you're going to get an award, at, uh, you, know, a, a, you know, an award at our award ceremony this fall. Whatever. But, but that, that, I, that. That in analytical, obsessive compulsive disorder based analytical analysis engine that's baked into me was there from a very young age. And I'm like, I'm looking at all these specializations, cryptography and architecture and all the different things that you could integrate to stop these evil hackers from doing this, that, or the other thing. So many specializations. There's actually 14 major specializations uh, in, in uh, according to this one standard that's very popular. But anyway, and I happened to pick out the weirdest one of all, the one that nobody else wanted. And I was even told at my current employer by my own boss who had control whether or not I got a raise or whatever was going to happen to me that he did not perceive that as being valuable to the company at all. And ain't the case anymore. In fact, 
it's the reason why I was recently promoted. It's like about a year old now, but and I I don't really I wasn't really especially happy about it because I know that the promotion, it's a trap. It's an earthly, fleshy trap. But what am I going to do? Tell them to stuff it? Of course not. It, it would have led to termination. So, and then of course I can't seed into the kingdom. I can't do the radio show. There's a ripple effect. It's all about God. So your decisions need to be balanced. You don't do. You don't go too far to the left or too far to the right. You stay in the middle. You balance. You follow the book of Proverbs. You follow that wisdom. And I've messed up. I've made mistakes. I can never retire. Well, I mean, I could do some clever things and really downsize and buy some decrepit, leaking, double-wide trailer in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania and let my dogs run free in the field. But, you know, uh, you know, the theory is to be able to retire comfortably. And I could never do that. I would have to just work until I die, which is fine with me. But because I believe Jesus was coming, so what would be the point? You know, what would be – why wouldn't I want to rather seed more money into the kingdom than, you know, dump a bunch of money in a 401k or something for something that I'm never, never going to experience? And most people don't realize that I think it's 37% of the people die – before they ever hit retirement age at 67. 37% of humans die before they get to retirement. How about that? But anyway, so now I'm a belly button specialist. Nobody cares about it. It's the most complicated of all. Far, 10 times more complicated than any of the other specializations. And nobody cared. Now they do. They care big time. Isn't it fascinating that at the point of the satanic, global satanic crime syndicate attack where God has lifted his hand of protection off of the earth and they have been allowed to do all the evil that they have done that most every one of us are intimately aware of and probably troubles us on a daily basis. Isn't it Interestingly and supernaturally ironic that now suddenly being a belly button specialist, which is the most complicated discipline in all of the medical profession, by 10 times more complicated, 10 times more complex, easily 10 times more complex, probably 20 times more complex. Isn't it fascinating that that what what I latched on to as just I was uh, mesmerized 1998, I was mesmerized. I was so interested in it. Now, there were certain parts of, of, the, of, of it. It's very, very complicated, and there's a lot of moving parts. It's probably 100, maybe more moving parts of doing it right, if you know how to do it right. And there's a special order it has to be done in. And you have to understand why you're doing each one of those 100 things. And you need to be able to explain it to the customer, because they don't want to pay for something that they don't understand. It doesn't help them to give them a car they can't drive. So you, it, it, it's so complicated. And anyway, um, so now all of a sudden, it's like the most popular expertise in the world. <laughs> okay. Do you see the irony here? So the economy is tanking. We're entering into the third seal. I'm not saying I'm still going to have a job tomorrow. I don't. I mean, there's reorganizations going on. They're laying people off. They're getting rid of VPs. They're moving people around. I could be 
axed in a snap. They have no problem with that. It's, it has nothing to do with that. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. Thank you, Jesus. Now, imagine the economy's tanking. The businesses are tightening all their belts. All the other practices that were making tons of money are suddenly going, wait a minute, where's our, where's our pipeline of sales? Where's our money? They're not spending. They're not, they're, not, they're not signing the contract. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The S&P 500 took a 21% drop. They're talking about uh, depression coming. The CEO of uh, Chase Manhattan just came out and said it's not going to be a storm. It's going to be a hurricane. Uh, the uh, Fed has raised the, uh, uh, you know, the interest rate like three times, and, uh, you know, and, and, and the Antichrist and the shape-shifting reptilian in the Oval Office that can barely wipe his blankety-blank. You know what I'm saying? It, the situation is unbelievable, and people know it. They're not going to say nothing about it, but they know it. Most of them do, to some degree. It's become that in your face that even unbelievers see it, which is, makes the witnessing opportunity incredible if you can if you have the skills to do it. But you know the, you have to know how to talk to people and what not to say and what to say to lead them to a conclusion that they should be able to come to on their own, but they need a little bit of help, a nudge. So here I am, this belly button expert in this most complicated profession that nobody cares about, and then suddenly the end times is just dropped right on top of us. You know, interestingly, right at the right around 2019, which was when that's that impossible four three four blood moon pattern occurred. It actually ended on the in the middle of January of 2019 which is right around the time when they were preparing to release the bioweapon attack against the entire world. Can you imagine that? Well, anyway, one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden, everything, you know, the catastrophic climate change stuff, the flooding, the fires, the, the, the riots, all this stuff has now changed everybody's mind. And now all the budget money is diverting or div- being diverted to my specialty. They all want a belly button guy now. <laughs> okay, I know that sounds funny, but I'm just saying it is kind of funny. But what's also interesting is that even though nobody wanted my, that particular specialization that I had for – from uh, let's see, from 1998 until I did a little bit of the work with some certifications around I don't know maybe 10 years, 11 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Just a couple of small jobs, got some, got a couple of certifications, but since then nothing really, nothing. But I was fascinated enough with it that I still bought books. I don't know why I did it. I would buy. I have like I don't know like 10 books and they're all big and thick and complicated and none of them agree with one another. It's like there's an unlimited number of ways to do things. Or it's just that the author of the book is incompetent or something, or I don't know why, but there just is not a good book out there on what I do or, or this particular specialization. There isn't. I own all, I think I own all of them. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, the good ones. And, um, but I still studied them and I, I still worked on it and learned about it, even though there was no interest in it at all, even though it was not helping my profession, even though that my own leadership and people that were my bosses didn't thought that it was useless, said so. I didn't take offense to it. I agreed with them. Nobody was interested in it. Now everybody is. 
Now everybody is. How amazing that that God would have his hand on my life. I'm giving a testimony. To make me interested to program my DNA when I'm a little kid sitting out in, outside of the principal's office to think like that in the first place, to have the the artistic talent to be able to analyze things from 7,000 different directions. I, I, that's an exaggeration, but you know what I mean, probably about seven different directions. What's it, you know, all this stuff. Think about this. Think about that. Think about this. Think about that. What did I think about this? Did I think about that? What do I got to do first? What do I got to do second? Why do I got to do that? How am I going to explain to the customer? What if the customer doesn't understand? How do I, you know, blah, 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 all that stuff. So I never stopped thinking about it all these years, even though nobody was interested in it. I still bought the books. I still looked into it. I was still curious about it. I made myself better at it for no reason, even after being told that it was absolutely useless. <laughs> and then it results in my promotion to a level that is equivalent to PhDs and highly, highly uh, educated, you know, master's degree folks and, you know, executives of corporations that have come over and they're now they're my peers. They're my peers. Well, what happened was, so in the middle of this downturn, when all this stuff in it, and it's, it's bad, it's bad. I, you know, I just have to trust God that I'm going to survive it. I don't know. You know, I just have to believe and I am believing and I do trust God and I praise him for it every day. But here's the thing. This very, very large global company decided because of something they were you know some particular threat that they were especially worried about that is very pervasive today and it's taking down a lot of companies they decided that they wanted to improve what they were capable of doing and make their company more resilient and survive this particular threat but they also wanted to build it so that they could expand the program to create the entire program so that they could make the company resilient against other things Two, like earthquakes and all that kind of stuff. But they're focusing on this one problem, and, and, they're, and now their board of directors and their executive leadership and everybody, they're like totally into it. They're like, we got to do this. This is so important. But they didn't believe that my company could do it. 3,500 people in the company. They, did, they couldn't believe that my company could do it. The salespeople had their ears. They were having talks and conversations on the phone. But the really big monster company that has this global footprint and I don't even know how many tens of thousands of employees, um, they, they said, prove it. You've got to prove to us that you're competent and you can do what it is that we want you to do. Well, coincidentally... <laughs> I was asked by – because there was this surge of interest in companies wanting to be – wanting to do this kind of work, you know, keep – make their companies resilient against disasters. 
they, my leadership told me, okay, well, you need to start building out a program. So we're going to, you know, you, you, you're going to give you special time each week to spend some time working on it. Well, anyway, so I started to take all the stuff that I learned from all the books that none of them, none of them agreed, kind of, kind of like Christians, right? And none of them agreed with one another. And I took all that stuff and I put it together and I'm watching my time because I don't want to, you know, it's can drag on, but I want you to get the big picture. Praise God, because this is a miracle. So listen, huge company, huge opportunity in the middle of a huge downturn. The practices are all going, what is going on here? Revenue dropping. What are we going to do? They don't want to lay anybody off because they believe it's a transient, and they believe that everything's going to recover, and, and, and they're really doing the best they can to hold everything together, blah, 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 blah and this, that, and the other thing. So, every, you know, and then this company is like, prove it. Well, it turns out that I had just put together a, a plan, and, I, and it's a large document. It's over 100 pages, and it has a very large table of contents. But I had structured it really well because I know what I'm doing now. And I put, you know, I put all the work and all the, the gears and the moving parts and the sections and the names and the titles of the different, you know, the steps and the groups and the teams and the forming of the teams and the, and the organization and all the different moving parts and pieces and the communications plan and all that stuff. And I put it all, I put like placeholders inside of it. It's basically what's called creating a framework document so that when you engage a client, you can customize the document. All the, all the stuff is lined up. It's in the right place. You, it helps you to know what you got to do in order to make me do it right. It, 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 you know. Well, turns out you can't give that document to the customer. You can't say the customer says, "Prove it. Prove to us that you can do this work." Billion, multi-billion-dollar company, Fortune 50. I mean, big, 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 big. Okay, and they're and they're and 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 all the leadership and the VPs, everybody's going. We got to close this deal. We got to close the deal. What are we going to do? And I and but we can't give them the document. You see, because now you're giving away intellectual property. Once you give it to them, they can take it and make their own. So you've got to hold your intellectual property, and you've got to sell the deal so you can help them. Because beside the point, even if you did give them the document, they wouldn't really understand it. They wouldn't know what was required to make it work. That's where it gets really – where the art really kicks off and, and all that. But anyway, so I said to the sales team, I said, why don't we just take a picture, a snapshot of the cover page and the three-page table of contents? And then I will highlight in yellow just the part of that hundred and some page document that we will do for them because they wanted something custom. They didn't want everything. They just wanted this stuff, these 10 items, which is a lot of work, let me tell you. Especially the bigger the company, the more the work, more complicated. More people you got to interview. It's very complex. So anyway, ten. So I had ten headings highlighted in yellow. But when they showed the customer in a Zoom meeting, the table of contents, and the customer saw the whole document in the table of contents, they just about fell off their chair. They were like, "Oh man, you guys really know what you're doing." <laughs> oh, it gets better. So we closed the deal. Next thing you know, and and um, now they didn't include me in the pricing, which is I don't know, kind of a good thing probably because I I'm so uh, obsessive compulsive about doing it right that I 
oftentimes, see, I, I want chrome wheels on the BMW. You know what I'm saying? I'm not okay with just, you know, I, I want the chrome there. I want the power windows. I want everything to be there. I want all the, I, I want it to be really tricked out. And that costs extra money. And so I tend to lean toward the more expensive side, which sometimes can scare the customer away. Like, I won't name the company, but uh, there was one where they guessed $4 million and the customer ran so fast it was unbelievable. But anyway, you you live, you learn. But here's the thing. So in the middle of this downturn, with a specialization that is extremely rare, that nobody saw any value for, that I supernaturally just instinctively continued to become an expert on, even though I was told it had no value whatsoever – now it's suddenly the most popular thing ever, and now it and I was like the only one in the entire company that had any specialization and any certifications in it at all. Then they so we we got this deal with this company, this humongous company, and then of course I don't I don't hear about it. You know I I, I know that I was involved in the sales cycle. I helped I showed them the table of contents, all that kind of stuff. But all of a sudden I get this email. It says you have been officially assigned to the blankety blank corporation project. Now you know it's not like they don't have they don't call you up and say hey man uh, we closed the deal on the X Y Z and the L M N O P and we'd really like you to you know what do you think you know uh, it, you know it isn't like Mission Impossible where you have this opportunity to cha- turn turn it down. They just assign to you, and they say, you're doing it. You own it. Even though you weren't involved in the contract, you weren't involved. Now, fortunately for me, the person who was putting together the contract language and everything was actually really, really smart. He didn't get everything 100% right, but he got it. He did a pretty good job. Thank you, Jesus. Because if he had butchered it, I'd be pretty much having – it would be like giving – being given a box of toothpicks and being asked to build a two-story building. I mean, they do that sometimes. And um, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And of course, and see, here's the problem. When there are, you know, 10 people from your company, 30 people from the client's customer side, you know, all these people involved, if anything goes wrong, I know this sounds extreme and you may think that I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. I'm not. If anything goes wrong, it's me. I take the fall. I'm the one who lost the half a million dollars. I'm the one who is delivering the solution to the customer. Everybody else has a role. But if anything goes wrong, customer's unhappy, I'm the one who lost the $500 million me. I'm not 500 million, 500,000 or whatever. I don't even know what they sold it for. I forget. I, it's irrelevant. It's big. It's it's probably even bigger than that. I, I just haven't, I don't care. I'm, I'm too busy dealing with all the details and making sure that we do it well. So they give me, then to make it more complicated, they give me this this woman. She's relatively new in the company. I had no opportunity to really even get to know her or anything about her, but I met her, you know, in person at one point, which is kind of rare, but we had a meeting and I, they don't normally invite me to them, but they did in this particular case and I got to meet her, which was nice, but I didn't really know anything about her. 
And now why is this relevant? Here's the miracle. The miracle just happened today, by the way. So I was assigned to this project, and let's just say that everybody was pretty – everyone, like the people in the sales teams and everything like that, they were all very, very confident that I knew what I was doing. When we got on the call with the customer, uh, you know, I I had the, the, the executive, the senior executive and sponsor laughing. I told him straight up, I said, you know, this is, there's going to be a lot of things that we do that are going to blow up. You know that, right? I did. I came right out and I said, you know, Mr. Customer, <laughs> I've got a lot of experience working, you know, because I, I did a couple of gigs. Anyway, so I, I had him laughing, eating out of my hands. He totally agreed. There are going to be things that are going to go wrong, blah, 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 blah. That was that. I managed the customer's expectations very, very well. Thank you, Jesus. It must have been a miracle of God. But everybody, all the salespeople were like, wow, dang, this guy, you know, and all, and it just went really, really well. But then behind the scenes, we were having conversations about it and going, oh, my God, this is, oh, my Lord Jesus, you know, and of course, you know, Father, please forgive me. You know, I don't, don't, don't mean to use your name in vain, but I mean, we were just flipping out. We were thinking to ourselves, man, we just got handed a, a monster, you know, these, and not to mention that when the companies are that huge, their people are spread all over the world and you're trying to get interviews scheduled. You got to stay on budget. It's extremely difficult and you want to have it all done by Friday. You tell the customer that, but then it like, drags on for three weeks and it just turns into a disaster. I can't let that happen because they will blame me. And when they're bl- when they're already laying people off like crazy and you lose a half, you know, a bunch of money for them uh, because they're blaming you, never mind the other 30 people involved and all the dumb mistakes that they made and and, ca- and then handed you this box of toothpicks to build a two-story building. And, and no, no, they blame you anyway. They don't care. That's just how it works. But here's the miracle. Now, all the rest of it was a miracle too. The very the the, the you know all all of it. All, all what? Why would I even care about this? Why would I have any interest at all? Why would the value of the interest that I had all the way back to 1998 suddenly be manifest in the greatest financial downturn? the United States and the rest of the world has ever seen in the history of the world. Well, borderlining on 1933, which, by the way, many experts are saying we're heading toward. That's pretty significant. And I've got this monster, and I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm planning out how am I going to do this. I've got to find ways to cut. You know, we promised to do a, a lot of stuff for them, but we don't have enough time to do all of the things that they promised and I've got to sort of make pickle you know lemons out of lemonade kind of thing. So um so I'm working on that and and I was given this lady and I'm supposed to like share my hours with her. Um but I and she's very nice. Well today we had finally we had a one hour call. Now we had another shorter call uh, earlier the week, but I still didn't know hardly anything about her. We, I know, I did discover that she. Now, this is where it gets very supernatural. So, this is now I'm coming to the. I'm summarizing the miracle, and I'm just going to talk about today. So we have this two-hour meeting to to create a plan to lay out our tactical plan of attack for the for the client. And I'm going through training with her. 
and she's intently listening to everything that I'm saying, and I'm very authoritatively explaining to her every moving part, how it all works together. I'm showing her PowerPoint presentations. I'm showing her example documents and all this kind of stuff. I'm telling her about all the things that can go right, all the things that can go wrong, what we have to do to keep ahead of the problem so that we manage it and we stay in time, all the, all, you know, just all the complexities. And, and then, she's, then she kind of like opens up and she goes, yeah, she, she goes, a lot of the things that you're talking about right now, I experienced them when I was working at the uh, XYZ LMNOP company as their business continuity specialist. And um, I learned a lot of this stuff when I was in grad school. This was one of my specialties when I was in grad school. So now I finally, after like months and months and months, I discovered that this woman is not just a person that was assigned that I'm going to have to train on the fly, which is going to drain my hours and make my chances of success extremely low. But I find out that she's a grad school expert on the subject. Just today, I found out. I was even telling other people, other managers, you know, at, at higher ranks. I was, you know, you know, I, I'm not can't say any names, but I'm just saying. I had a conversation with him in private, and I said, you know what? I don't know what she knows, and if she doesn't know, that I'm going to have to train her. And he was like, well, don't worry about that. Just do it like this, you know. And he gave me some ideas, and I said, yeah, we can go ahead and we'll, that we'll make that work. And um, but we were trying to figure out what we what we were going to do with her because we had no idea. And I find out today on a call that she is formally trained in grad school and held a position with a major corporation specializing in this discipline, which is mind-blowing, absolutely mind-shattering, amazing, mind-blowing stuff, all God. So now I went from emergency damage control that I've got to train somebody who doesn't know anything about the most complicated thing, the most complicated discipline, specialization in the entire industry, by far, 10 times more complicated than anything else. And and I went from going like, oh my goodness, how am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? I've got, I hope she has an IQ of 165 so I can throw this at her at light speed and she gobbles it all up, learns it instantly and we just, you know, and all of a sudden we work great together and everything's good, which is, could happen. Um, but then I find out she's actually an expert on it. She's got more higher learning degrees than I don't, I don't have any of that stuff. I'm self-taught for the most part, except with the exception of two uh, classes that I took way back about 10 years ago. It lasted a few days, but anyway, um, so the Lord gave me a person that is an expert from a different viewpoint. She's an expert from the executive leadership team standpoint. I'm an expert from – the thing that I know that she doesn't understand is I am an expert on the technologies, recovering the technologies packets, bits, bytes, interdependencies, uh, connections to SaaS, cloud ecosystems, uh, various technologies inside the cloud, microservices, interdependencies, I mean, all kinds of stuff that is very, very complicated that if you don't know how to talk to the IT people about them, then you will never get the information that you need to put into the plan for them to help them to recover in a disaster. 
But she doesn't understand the IT stuff, the technological side of it. She knows it well enough at a management level, but she she wouldn't if you gave if if she gave one of my questionnaires to the IT people and the IT people filled out the questionnaire, she would not know whether or not they were baloneying her. She would not be able to look at it and say this can't be right. Because she doesn't have the architectural experience that I have, which means that together we're deadly. Okay, I even said to her today when I was just like, I guess my spirit was just praising God when I found out how smart she actually was. She opened up and told me. And I was like, I told her, I said, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sleep like a baby. Thank God. And then she was like, she. so get this. So her father was a conspiracy theorist. She's a Christian. She believes that the church is full of baloney. Um, uh, she knows, uh, you know, all about the, where we are in the end times. She knows about the Masons. She studied the New World Order back in nineteen. You know, she went to. Uh, the, she read the books on Epperson, the same books that I went to when I went to Epperson thing in nineteen eighty eight. She knows all the stuff that we talk about on the radio show. I was even telling her about um, God and the intergalactic, you know, and intergalactic stuff and our pre-existence, and she was absolutely blown away. She was listening to every single thing. She understood every single thing. She knows about the conspiracy. She knows everything that's going on with January 6th. She knows that Trump is probably in on it. She even said so. I don't trust any of them. If they're billionaires, they're in on it. That's it. Final done deal. And, and we're having this conversation, and I'm just sitting there going, I can't believe this is happening. Talk about going from zero to 60 in 0.02 nanoseconds flat. I wonder if that was an answer to prayer. And if it was an answer to prayer, it was like unbelievable. Because when you look at the whole history, it's just another thread of impossibilities that weave a tapestry of the supernatural that make something that is as unlikely as it could possibly be an actual reality. And I just found out this is the same guy who was tossing and turning last night in bed, couldn't sleep, stressed out, like all, I mean, reorgs, laying off, all the stuff that's going on, given this project that's going to be extremely difficult to make successful, all these things bearing down on me in a massive outpouring of a quarry truck of ugly of stress dumped on my head. And today, God said, gotcha. And I, th- and I look back upon it, and I think to myself now, as I give this testimony, wow. 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 That's amazing. That's impossible. It would have been one thing if she had some experience in this specialization and could quickly learn it. But to have her be pretty much an expert from a different side. She's an expert from the business side of it, and I'm an expert from the technological side of it, and I have a lot of expertise on the business side. So the two of us, like I said, together are – we're like the perfect 
combination of skills and experience to be able to eat this customer's lunch and pop the bag. And she said, well, she goes, I just want to learn everything that you know. And so we're going to meet again, and I'm going to do some more training with her. But, um, but then to find out on top of all that that her father was a huge conspiratorial it's – it's known as conspiratorialist historian, okay? And he, he, he introduced her to these books. He introduced her to the New World Order. She's an expert. She gets the Masons. She gets all that stuff. She understands the Global Santana Crime Syndicate. She's suspicious of Trump even. She, I mean, it's just amazing. She's a Christian. She's a believer. Her dad, I think, was some kind of a Baptist pastor or something like that, or, or I don't know. They were heavily involved in the Baptist church at some point. But anyway, that's my testimony. That's my miracle for today, which really is not just a testimony about today. Today is just the culmination or the um, – it's the point that the beautiful fireworks just – I mean, you saw the firework was going up into the sky. It's a little analogy I'm making, but the firework was going up into the sky. You heard the sizzle of the, of the rocket. But you didn't really know whether or not it was a – you know, like a, like a missile that's going to land on your head and explode and blow your body into several pieces. But then suddenly it goes, boom, and gorgeous colors just shoot out everywhere. And you say, hey, that's a beautiful firework. And that's what happened. It's like the culmination, the moment of truth. 1998, so let's, let's think this through. 2000? The 2000, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, year 2000 to year 2020 is, what, 20 years, plus the two years that takes to 2022, so there's 22 years, plus two more years, that's 24 years, to, to 1998. This began in 1998. 22 years later, the firework blows up, and the beautiful colors explode everywhere in the most unlikely impossible coincidence that could happen. You can't make this stuff up. You can't make it up. All God. It's all totally God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Hallelujah. Oh, I didn't know this was going to break into a testimony, but let's go ahead and get back to giving our Father more praise, more honor, more glory. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, so many people. We need, and please, let's all try to put as much effort as we can every single day to pray for one another an awful lot. When I pray, say, for example, I'm praying, I'll say like, Dear Heavenly Father, 
Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single uh, listener of the radio show, every single person that lifts me up and even mentions me by name uh, in prayer, I pray for every one of them, Father. I ask you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus that they are not just called, but they are chosen, that every one of them become part of your bride, that any challenges in their lives, any difficulties or tribulations or trials, anything that they're going through, that you will bring them through it eloquently and mercifully, Father, and you will just help them every step of the way, that you will wrap your holy fire around them um, and and just anoint them with a strength uh, and an anointing that's just 10 times more uh, unbelievably supernatural and powerful, that you will protect their jobs, that you will heal, heal their sicknesses, that the I plead the blood of Jesus into those who are not feeling well, who are recovering from sicknesses, Father God. And, and, and I, that's how I pray for everyone that is even listening to the show, so many of which have even recently have reached out and said hello to me, um, many of which I've never talked to before. Praise God. And it's a, it's a blessing. And I thank you all. I really do. We need to pray an awful lot for one another. We need to pray for divine protection. We need to use supernatural uh, spiritual warfare tactics like we do on this program all the time. Um, we need to do it. I, I even say, Father, I, I will I will say, Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's any sin in any of them, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that you will forgive them. I forgive them. I ask you to forgive them. Please, in the name of Jesus, have mercy upon us. Remember that we are dust and lead us to purity, sanctification. Continue our progress, Father, in Jesus' name. Help us to, to grow closer to you that we will not miss. Thank you for sharing with us the mysteries that we, that we would need to know to even understand what it is we're asking for. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight, oh, I don't have my little Hebrew calendar app up, so I'm kind of ahead of myself. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. And here we go. Scrolling to it. And here it is. Thank you, Father. Tonight is... August the 12th of 2022, the 15th of Av, 5782. Got to focus on that. It's kind of dim. And I'm old. Um, uh, the future holiday is today, which is Tub Av, which is August the 12th of 2022. Hallelujah. And tonight, is it is now 9.18 p.m. on the east coast of the United States of Babylon the Great. Hallelujah. And together... Tonight, we light the Sabbath candles. I like the light three, one for the Father. If I can get my lighter lit. I don't want to burn my fingers, so I got those long lighters, but then I break them. I don't know why. I slammed the door shut on them in the drawer. Uh, one for the Father. Father, we praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One for the Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Make us fall in love with you over and over again. And the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are awesome. Oh, help us to be able to see you manifest in our lives each and every day when we miss it. Forgive us, Lord. We praise your holy name and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Hebrew Kaddish. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Bore peri hagafen. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher kitshanu bemitzvotav veratzavanu. 
Vishabat kod shovea vauvratson in chilanu zikaron le mase vereshit. Ki huyom techila le mikrae kodesh zechelitiak. Mitzrayim Beava uvratzon in chaltanu. Baruch atadonai mekadesh hashabat. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. For you are my dove, hidden in a split open rock. It was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes are in worship and lovely your voices in prayer. You must catch those troubling foxes those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you remove them and catch them for me? We will do it together.
has a mission but isn't the father and the son the same aren't they one and separate too for his namesake it's almost like our heavenly father has a direct stake in us making it He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his sake. Yeah, sure, it says his name's sake, but it's the same thing, really. For his sake. For his sake. So he's got a stake in it. It's amazing. Verse 6, Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Praise his name. Let's make sure we worship Jesus tonight in communion. I want to watch the time. So, let us pray using spiritual warfare tactics for our own protection and the protection of our loved ones. Holy Lord Jesus, please cleanse and totally purify our heart, soul, spirit, mind, and flesh. Please cleanse and totally purify our record-keeping books in heaven and our robe and gown in heaven with your precious blood. 
and your holy fire. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the blood of the Lamb of God, Father God, we pray in Jesus' name that you will purify us. For it is only through your mercy and your touch that we can be totally pure. In Jesus' name, Father God, we confess of all of our sins, even those that we are unaware of. We ask you to purify us with your holy fire. We praise your name. To the pure, all things are pure. Titus 1, 15. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray and declare that any entity of the darkness, worker of saint, and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that at the moment that they set their wills against us or our loved ones, we decree that the holy fire of God will shoot down from the glory pillar and burn them in the screaming and utter agony, sticking to them like white-hot sticky magnesium napalm in the name of Jesus, burning them into horror, screaming and making a public spectacle of them, scattering the darkness in all directions across the spiritual realm in the mighty name of Jesus, that all of the other demons will see them and fear and tremble at the fire of God in Jesus' name. Father God, we also pray in Jesus' name for the holy fire, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit to blow it white hot, to encircle our dwelling places, to encircle the dwelling places of our loved ones, to encircle and move throughout our jobs and burn and shut and and weld shut any portals of, of evil that would attempt to come against us indirectly in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father God, we pray for strong mighty, seven-foot, eight-foot-tall warrior angels, unstoppable to be standing at the gates of our dwelling places, to follow us wherever we go, to go with us in our cars, to open the doors before us, to, to fight and take out any demonic entities that would attempt to trip us up wherever we travel, Father God, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, and to protect our loved ones from themselves, even if they are in sin, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, hallelujah, praise your name. Father God, we plead with the courts of heaven, and we pray, and we we declare in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus and by his blood in Jesus' name for the assignment of a platoon of warrior angels, fully clad in the armor of God, diamond tip sword, sharp as razor blades, Father God, in Jesus' name to be assigned to us SEAL Team 7 Delta Force angels to be to ferret out all indirect attempts to come against us, to go into our workplaces, to listen in on conversations, Father God, to do this on our behalf, to shut all portals, to weld them shut with the fire of God, to hunt down on any demons of darkness that are attempting to come against us by influencing other people that have influences on our lives. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus and we declare before your high holy supreme courts and bind before the courts of heaven in Jesus' name with his authority that you have given us. Praise your holy name. Father God, in accordance with Philippians uh, uh, Philippians 3.20, I believe it is. Yes, I do believe. Uh, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. In the name of Jesus, we declare and praise your holy name that these angels, Father, will, will ferret out all demonic attempts, every one of them, from all threat vectors, from all directions, from above, from below, from the left to the right, on all sides in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we bind before your courts of heaven, for that which is bound on earth is bound in heaven, that which is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven, Matthew 18, 18. And we stand before your courts of heaven in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus, and we pray, and we declare before your courts, in Jesus' name, we declare before your courts, and we bind before your courts, Proverbs 21.1, 1, 
The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, you turn it wherever you wish. Father God, in our lives, we have to deal with many kings, many that are like the unjust judge in uh, uh, Luke uh, chapter 18, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, parable of the uh, persistent widow. Father, we have many unjust judges in our lives. We have many unbelieving uh, bosses in our lives. Many of them are controlled utterly by demons and have no idea. Father God, we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we pray that the angels that are assigned to us, that they will control them. Zechariah was controlled as he was made dumb for not being uh, obedient to the angels in regard to uh, the birth of John the Baptist. Father God, we just pray that the supernatural powers that are afforded, the angels that are given to us to protect us, are able to influence all of those that have influences over us. The king's heart is in the hands of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, you turn it wherever you wish. We pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus for your favor. We pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus for your holy fire. We pray in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus for these angels to have the strength, the power, the ability to manipulate and change all the things that might influence our lives and that we might glorify you, Father, ultimately, not just for the divine protection of our jobs, not for just for the divine protection of our loved ones, not just for the divine protection of our ability uh, to be able to uh, survive and function with some level of comfort in this very dangerous world that we live in right now, but Father, in the name of Jesus, so that we are able to glorify you. If we are not putting an effort forth to praise you all day, if we are not putting an effort forth to set aside 30 minutes a day to pray for others, to pray for other believers, to pray for the lost in other countries, if we are not putting that time forth as a result of your blessings in our life, as a result of your divine protection in our lives, as a result for us to even be left alive, which we certainly wouldn't be if it wasn't for your protection as it stands even now. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you will be glorified by our actions, by our obedience, by our doing that which you want us to do for your name's sake. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we thank you. We exercise the rule of the victor over all demonic regions that have set their wills against us, Jesus Christ. We exercise the rule of the victor, Jesus Christ, against all those demonic regions that have permitted spirits in or through their territory for the purpose of coming against us or our loved ones. We command that they be immediately cut off from ever receiving power from the kingdom of darkness again. We require the immediate disbursement of all of their funds from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We require the immediate destruction of all of their books and artifacts of sorcery with the holy fire of God. We require the immediate reversal of all of their schemes, the cancellation of all of their assignments. We declare the fire of God to burn up all of their contracts, all of their agreements against us. We declare the fire of God to vaporize any earthly or spiritual weapons or fiery darts that are launched against us. We cast them into the pit. Penalties applied in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Weld the pit shut with the fire of God. In Jesus' name we pray. We commend it in his name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give you glory. Thank you, Father. Hide all my heart. Hide all my heart. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the mercy that you have given us. That you would allow us to even present our own bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable as our spiritual service of worship to you. Father, we don't want to be part of this world. We don't want to be conformed to it. We know that being desirous of the things of this world is being friends with it. Brother Jesus told us that that would make us an enmity with you. We don't want that. Help us to keep our minds stayed on things above and not on things of this world. Help us to find that special secret place of the Most High. Father, we ask you that you will supernaturally renew our mind. Help us to hold every thought captive to your obedience. Father, we pray in Jesus' name and that we can bind before your courts on our behalf. Galatians 5.22 
We ask you, Father, to make each one of the fruits of the Spirit a part of our walk on a daily basis. Fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and especially in this day and age, self-control. Teach us, Father, to praise you, believing, no, knowing, knowing that you're going to come through. Help us to live one day at a time, praising you, looking forward to the five o'clock bell, and continuing, continuing even to praise you into the evening, even to the moment that we go to bed, that we should wish you good night. that you are on our minds, that you, Jesus, are the last face we see as we doze off in a supernatural peace that was provided only from you. For as you said to us, Jesus, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives you, give I unto you peace. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid either. John fourteen twenty seven. Father, we pray that you will give us and lead us to have diligence, to have mercy, cheerfulness, to show others love, always. Compassion, always. Goodness, always. Giving, always. Uplifting, encouraging, always. Even as we are in pain, even as we are suffering from maladies, as hard as it is to be happy and joyful when we know we're going through awful times in the flesh, we pray for your supernatural anointing upon us that we would lift others up and help encourage them by demonstrating, even in the most difficult situations, our faith, in your awesomeness. Let us not be wise in our own opinions. Let us appreciate our fellow brothers and sisters who struggle, even the weaker ones, and recognize that the last will be first and the first will be last. And be truly blessed to be able to help one other person understand what what they need to know to come to the next level in their walk, to ultimately glorify you, that our prayers will be heard by you, that the angels will react to those prayers, that heaven's power, heaven's resources, and heaven's glory will move freely into the earth to touch people in dreams and visions of the night when deep sleep falls upon men to save their souls from the pit and to seal their instruction, Job 33, 14, and 15. Help us to contend with you, Father. Blot out our transgressions for your own sake, that we may be able to serve you and do that which we were called to do and what was written in your, our books before we were born. Indeed, I believe, before there was time. 
We pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, for these anointings that we may glorify you, for these protections that we may glorify you, for the prayers of others that they would be saved, that they would glorify you. Your will be done, not ours. Thank you for allowing us to present not only our bodies, but our soul, our flesh, our mind, through the renewing and through your through the renewing of our minds, through your anointing upon us through the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit as we need them. And so oftentimes are actually manifesting them, but not realizing it. Help us, Father, to always repay evil with good and kindness, to give with truly joy and looking forward to it, never regretting and always knowing what a blessing it was to help somebody else. We praise your holy name and we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful, incredible, and very challenging opportunity that you have laid before each of us. We pray in Jesus' name that you will teach us to abide in the Spirit, knowing, knowing that the answer to our prayer is either going to come in kind or it's going to come in glory. Perhaps even when we least expect it, giving you praise each day, especially on the hardest days, so that we have that burst of joy, like a fireworks exploding in the sky with brilliant colors. We pray that every one of those colors, every sparkle, glorifies your holy name forever and ever. Amen. We enter into communion.
chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Our King Jesus is only special 
just special people that were called out of the darkness and into his marvelous light, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God, who would not obtain mercy, but now have. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies and kindness and humility, meekness, long-suffering, which is like really powerful patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and if anyone has a complaint, oh, just as Jesus forgave you, you have to forgive them as well. Hallelujah. But above all these things, put on love, true love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate upon these things. And remember, Titus 1.15, to the pure, all things are pure. Jesus went a little further and he fell on his face and prayed. He said, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Matthew twenty six thirty nine. At that moment in time, Jesus was having a human moment. Because, 1 Timothy three sixteen clarifies it by telling us that God was manifested in the flesh, in a human body, justified in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached amongst the Gentiles, believed upon the world, and received up into glory. Praise God. And normally, we would pray for purification with Psalm 51, which I love dearly. But since we're down to four minutes of time, let's go directly into communion. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And here we go. The Lord's Supper, Holy Communion. For I received from the Lord that which I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And he broke it and gave thanks and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In that same manner, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Ani Lododi Lododi Li Song of Solomon 6.3 I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. That's so awesome. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. Father, we praise you for this opportunity to give testimony, to encourage people, to pray for divine protection, to use your holy fire, to call down the angels, to bless those in more challenging places of the world, and to use the power that you have given us through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, our King and our friend. Forever and ever we pray. May we give you praise. Amen. God bless you all. See you next Friday, Lord willing. (laughs) Barring another lightning strike, right? Amen. Praise Jesus. God bless you. Lord, we come to you with repentant hearts. We seek you with all our might. Sinners set the mercy of grace. Redeemed we are by your embrace. Praise his holy name. Praise the King of Kings. When will your coming be? With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.